Hi, this is the Tempter podcast where we discuss embedded Linux, IoT development, and anything else we find interesting. Your hosts today are Kim Raj and Cliff Brake. Hi, Kim. How are you doing today? Hi, Cliff. I'm doing all right. Great. So our topic today is the latest and newest changes in the Yo distribution. So we're going to discuss some of the things that have been added recently that, that might interest you. And so some of the recent improvements. So I, I feel one of the big things is, is some of the new platforms. So Kim, what, what are, can you tell us about some of the new platforms you've added recently? Yeah, I think um, we've been always um, looking for adding uh, more platforms, you know, which are uh, relevant to the users. And um, we've been basically looking at a few of those and of late, we have added um, uh, support for, um, you know, TegraSox basically, or, or in Nano. Um, so there's a project that we have added, um, which basically uh, implements simple images as of now. And, you know, we don't have full up, your updater support and, and the full image, uh, installer image support yet in there. Uh, and given that the image format for uh, the Tegras socks is um, different. And this is like first of its kind that we are adding to your distro. Mm -hmm. So we basically are uh, uh, you know, interested in adding more of these uh, platforms in future. So essentially, I think the first one will take some time for us to you know integrate our your updater support and the the uh, your image support you know the way we have boot root and data for our flash layout um, support in there and then now we'll go from there so right now um, we are able to build weak images and you know the basic images that you can flash using the original flash method that is um, that is available today so that's great. Yeah, the Jetson, NVIDIA Jetson is is a very interesting platform mm -hmm. because of its GPU and cores and machining and support for machine learning platforms. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to see interest from, from several customers mm -hmm. that, that want to leverage the NVIDIA um, for, for machine learning and, and applications where they're processing a lot of data. That's right. So that's yeah, that's that's really exciting to see the Jetson or in Nano, mm -hmm. and uh, we we hope to be able to report more on that soon. Yep. So the other big thing is the the Risk Five. So yeah, yeah, tell I us think about that. Know, right. So I think uh, we've been doing a lot of work on the emulator, which is the QME platform for uh, you know Risk Five. So today we do have an emulator project for Risk Five. 64-bit uh, as well as 32-bit in your distro. So uh, you can basically build, you know, a fairly large set of software and test it that way. But, um, you know, been looking at like real hardware is now popping out that's running uh, RISC-5. So, you know, Vision 5.2 uh, is one of the boards we added recently. Um, and this is based on a Sci-5 64-bit implementation. Um, and it has um, basically a graphical um, unit as well, a GPU in there. So it's uh, more or less a complete SBC, if you were to say. And so, you know, we thought that would be a 
useful platform to add. So um, we've been able to add it. Um, and um, if you look at, we also update, uh, um, you know, we've added support for the updater, um, like other platforms that we have. And um, one of the shortcomings we have right now is the kiosk browser runs on Qt Web Engine. And Qt Web Engine is, you know, uh, has Chromium, uh, you know, engine bundled in, and Chromium doesn't yet build for RISC five sixty four bit. It does, but it's not upstream yet. So all the port is kind of missing from Qt Web Engine. So, but Qt can come up on this one. So you know, if you use like native Qt five Qt six, in fact for designing your UI, then you're all game in. So that all works fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just interesting that new platforms take a little time for all the different pieces to, to be ported to it, new architectures like RISC-V. Mm -hmm. so, so what kind of a processor is this Vision 5 CPU? So it's actually, um, you know, I would say that it's somewhere closer to a Raspberry Pi 3, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of performance. So it's like a quad core. It, it is quad core. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it's um, basically quite powerful from you know what you expect on an SBC point of view. Um, and I think it's you know first of like implementations that are coming on Race Five. I I think it'll just get better with time. But I think it's right now at a point where you know it runs satisfactorily well. Uh, performs well, um, and um, and and I think it's kind of um, um, you know given all the ancillary units that it has, you know, it's kind of a complete solution that you expect in an SBC era, as at least for your control processor. So, sure. Um, I think at this point, you know, our interest was more on newer architecture because I think. Um, one of the areas I like to look at it is, you know, what, how does the instruction density looks like, and you know, how much of uh, is the code density better, or those kind of things, you know, for the same kind of software. So mm -hmm. uh, it's it's pretty neat for us from that angle. Yeah, and it's 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 also useful to to build like an entire application stack and try to get it running because that's that's where you find the issues. Mm -hmm. And, and that's part of the value we bring with the Yo distribution is we're, we're building a fairly complete stack. Yep. A lot of complex things like, like the mm -hmm. Yo kiosk browser, you know, that exercises cute Chromium and a bunch of other things. So, yeah. Yeah. So you, you can build like Yo kiosk image for um, this platform too. It's just that you won't get the browser. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah. you'll get the full, full, uh, you know, if you are building a, you know, Wayland profile with your distro, then you'll get a Western uh, desktop that mm -hmm. will boot into. So. Yeah, so the OpenGL works and all that. Yeah, yeah. all that is working. That's great. Well. Yeah, maybe at some fu future episode we could discuss some of the code density trade-offs you're seeing and performance. Yeah, I plan to do a lot of, uh, you know, some some work in that direction where, you know, I get to learn about ways 
things, you know, given that our stack is pretty standard and if you can get it going in the exact same stack, at mm -hmm. exact same versions on all these different platforms and we can do a fairly good comparison. Sure. Yeah. 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 That's one of the advantages of the Yo distribution is, is we support quite a few platforms and it's, it's a, it's all in the same distribution. So it is very easy to do uh, comparisons between platforms, like you said, rather than, mm -hmm. you know, taking a vendor provided Yocto stack for one product and another one for another, and then having to deal with all these, these yeah. different versions of Yocto. Yeah. So again, that that's, that's uh, part of what we define as a quality BSP. We've, we've recorded an episode on that a while back, what to look for in a BSP. So check that out if, mm -hmm. if you're interested. So Along the lines of platforms, there's a new concept in, in Yo that we call projects. Can you give us an overview of, of what that's about? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good one. Um, so, um, so I think if you look into when we add, you know, new platforms and new things into Yocto-based projects, you know, we always have two things that drive your policy. One of them is your distribution policies, right? And then those are more like global policies. And there are like, you know, the package specific policies, which are more like uh, local to the package, you know, or the, in Yacht to speak, they're called recipes. Um, and when you build your full platform, you know, it's kind of combination of what the machine can offer. We call them like machine features and then what your policy is about, like what do you want at a distro level? Um, you know, those are like distro policies, whether graphics, you know, all that. There is like a whole lot of knobs you can decide uh, what kind of libc you want to use. And, and there is a whole list that you can do. And then, um, you know, there is some configuration metadata, which is kind of a combination of both, right? So there is like combined features. So for example, if there is no OpenGL on the system, then you know you may not be able to use Wayland as your distro feature, for example. Um, so it's pretty neat if you look at it, how you compose your system. It really gives you a, a very tight control over what you want to pull in and exactly what you're going to pull in. Uh, however, it is a little bit of, uh, you know, that it's everywhere, right? So you got like a machine configuration, you got a distribution configuration, you got your package configs and, you know, all those kind of things. Um, and then you have your local configuration that kind of like, you know, where you combine some of these features. So all these policies that you want to specify to build your platform are spread around. And that basically isn't that bad, but, you know, it basically is sometimes when you're new to the project and you're not a, you know, a Yocta engineer, you might find that a little bit of downing and you might even forget. I forget it all the time myself as well. And so what we kind of said is that, you know, we introduced this top level concept called projects. So projects is essentially, um, if you look into your distro, the top directory is a conf directory under there, there's a projects directory. And then you have a bunch of projects under there. And uh, the projects specify two things, right? What it specifies, what all layers you want to include, right? So if you're building a kiosk browser, you know, you need Qt6, you need, you know, a meta OE and other layers. So there's a, a kind of a set of layers 
um, in New York to speak that you bring in. And so there's that's all stored in layer.conf. And then you got another file called config.conf, which basically is specifying what this project should look like, you know, in terms of what machine it builds for, you know, what are different features it needs in terms of distro. Um, should it be pinning a particular version of a particular package? Uh, you know, libgpiod should be using 1.x, not 2.x, and things of that nature. And um, and graphics, for example, graphics is always a challenge because you know sometimes you have a, a, a same silicon provider giving you a chip that doesn't have 3D graphics, another one has 3D graphics. Um, so what do you do all that is you know you come here and you can really control all that tightly in that config.com uh, file. And that becomes your project basically. Um, and now you can clone that into you know your sub, projects because more than often what happens is you evolve that project into something else in a year down the lane and you might decide to change your sock right so um, so in this case um, you, you really go you clone this project make sock specific changes in the config.conf choose the right machine and maybe other things that you need to do and leave the distro policies as it is because say you know your software stack should remain same for example maybe so there's all this kind of reuse that it, it um, results into. Um, yeah. And if you come from like a Linux world, you know, it's like def config, um, you know, mindset where there's one place where you can configure the whole system sort of. Um, mm -hmm. And it kind of like um, gives you that one place at a top level project. Sure. So a lot, a lot of this, you know, before we had projects, you would have one set of layers for all projects, and we would have one set of comp files, like in comp site.conf, comp local.conf, and so on. Yeah. So this allows for each project to have its its own set of layers, and like you said, a, a project-specific comp file. Mm -hmm. And then that allows us to still build things in one tree, but yet change settings like one project might be headless the next one might uh, yeah. have a display yeah but yet we want to build some of the same pieces of software in, into both projects using our our platform yeah so uh, one thing it still doesn't address though is you know some some psps you might find that you know they pin a particular um som or sock to a given branch Mm -hmm. And then they don't move that to the next branch, but they move the newer SOM to the next branch. Yeah. So, you know, in that case, we still have an issue because then we'll have to see how do we go from changing the branch in a top level project. You know, we don't have that yet, but um, we haven't well, run into that issue yet, though. Yeah. Maybe we could uh, clone the same BSP repo into different meta. meta directories and then yeah. you know yeah, like that, if you know. like some of the verisite platforms are on a on a clear different um, mm -hmm. branches branch yeah. branches so anyway this is a step we feel in the right direction that allows us to that, that makes yo better suited for product development especially when you want to develop multiple products over time yeah yeah and more often like you you have i think um 
you really want this where you know you have you know a single kind of a unified tree then you know you can service multiple projects uh, and give you a, enough control over um, controlling you know the policies of the project but also reuse you know as your project is meant for um, quite a lot yeah that's great so uh, moving on so the yo kiosk browser mm -hmm. we've we've recently updated that or actually actually more generically we you've upgraded to qt 6.6 .6. Right. Yeah. So I think your kiosk browser is is a great little piece of software where I think we are basically sitting on top of a huge, you know, technology stack. Mm -hmm. um, this basically gives you a kiosk view. Uh, one good feature about this is that you know the on-screen keyboard is integrated in, so you really don't need any um, windowing system or you know. Uh, other kind of keyboard implementations that it should interact with the platform. And that's pretty neat because if you kind of like, you know, offer the kiosk, that's all it needs and it can take over from there. So it's really, really good from that angle. Yeah, well, we really like the cute uh, virtual keyboard. It's, it's a nice implementation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I think, um, you know, we basically uh, migrated it to Qt 6. Um, you know, earlier this year um, from Qt5. And um, and so recently, you know, we basically switched from Qt6.5 to 6.6. And um, the browser now builds on top of Qt6.6. And we plan to keep moving with the next release. And then our Qt6.7 comes out, you know, next spring or something. Um, but coding is very, very easy. Most of the time, we have to make zero changes. Um, once Qt changes uh, from major version, to, I'm really amazed at that. You really don't have to make much changes in there. Yeah, that's great. The the uh, as I've been testing the Yo Kiosk browser, I have noticed some improvements from Qt five to Qt six. Some mm. of the there was a very small rendering problem back when we were built on top Qt five. It, it it wasn't. It didn't didn't stop us from using it, but sometimes when you first loaded things, there would be a, a little rendering problem, and then it would go mm. away. But with Qt six, I haven't seen that, so that's just an example where, you know, moving forward in time to newer software, things do get fixed. Yeah, and there there's usually some benefit, especially with like you said, this is a very complex stack. You know, what we're talking OpenGL, mm -hmm. Qt you know, the full browser stack and, and, and so on. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's, uh, it's I mean, you, know, you can use a, a compositor underneath it on top of Wayland, for example. You could use no compositor. You could just kind of like use, you know, a GLFS feature um, on top of OpenGL, or you could just use software rendering and, you know, use Linux frame buffer, direct from rendering from um, frame buffer. Uh, or you could use it as a XCB, like X client. Um, so I think, you know, the experience is almost going to be identical, you know, with, with your distro on mm -hmm. all these different, um, you know, vertical stacks. And um, so that's really, really powerful um, from what it offers and how configurable it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. 
Okay, so there's also been some tooling changes. You want to mm -hmm. share what's there? Yeah, so I think you know we've been talking about um, the nice stack that we build up on top, but you know it's a um, it's a huge stack, and there are like heavy components in there. You know, uh, Qt Web Engine constitutes some of pieces of Chromium in there, so you know it's uh, uh, it's quite large software to build and. So we've been always looking for, hey, can we kind of speed up our build? So essentially, we've switched to using the LLD linker as default. Um, so LLD comes with Clang and LLVM, which basically we use already for our CC++ compiler as our default system compiler. And uh, LLD just is adding to that list of tools that we are uh, using. Um, LLD speeds up linking quite a bit, and especially for large software like Qt Web Engine and others, the linking speed is uh, is kind of three to four x faster. Um, the reason is it is threaded, so if you have like multi-threaded CPUs on your build machines, it will kind of you know utilize all of them during linking, and uh, and obviously you know general engineering improvements of course you know improves it too. So overall. You know that's um, that's a positive change. The other thing that it does is, you know, it basically have you know identified bugs in in general um, packages that you would see that I you know we've sent patches upstream into either Yocto or the upstream projects to fix those because um, you know the new linkers, for example, don't do um, uh, you know, they can identify undefined symbols, for example, during build. So you don't really get those issues during runtime, for example. And um, so this, you know, this is the default with LLD. It is not default with, you know, BFT linker. Um, so usually the shared object gets pulled in by indirect dependency or something, and, you know, nobody notices it. But um, but in this case, you know, it, it can find it during build saying that, hey, you know, you have the undefined symbol here. And, you know, it, it will fail the build. You can change that saying, oh, I know it fails. That's fine. But it finds real issues where, you know, you may say, oh, it was just working. But, you know, we should really specify the library, you know, for that missing symbol. Yeah. So that's a trend we see with, with, with Clang and, and other newer tools is, is they, they do more checks and they find more problems earlier in the process. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like CI, the, the more you can shift all your yeah. problem finding, what do you call it to the left or to the right? Whichever um, way. <laughs> whichever way, but sooner in the process is what we mean. Mm -hmm. um, you know, then, then you, then you save time and effort yeah. downstream. So. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, so that, um, and along with that, we are also using, you know, the the opt dump tool and, and distributability and other things uh, by default from LLVM as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's all very, very good. So anything else you want to share today? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, one thing that might not be um, as, you know, cool, but it is quite a bit of, you um, uh, you know, quality measure is that, you know, Yocto has this package tests. And um, we basically are now able to run package tests inside Yo Docker. So because, you know, we use Docker as our build element. And, you know, there are certain things that 
you need to kind of configure in the Docker for it to be able to run those p-tests, you know, because it is very isolated environment. So you need to forward ports or, you know, uh, create those tap devices or, um, you know, and then pass them into Docker. Uh, so there is a bit of exercise there. And um, the good thing is we have all kind of like included that in our default config. And we also added those, documented them into our local dot sh file so you can read through and enable disable them if you wish to i see uh, and so but i think the good thing about this is if you're um, you know using an emulator uh, it's very powerful because you can run um, package specific images for tests so you know that's very very powerful where every package gets tested in isolation sort of in isolation because you know it boots up a minimal system and just runs the test for that particular package and then shuts it down and then goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. So you can really test every recipe, you know, uh, in, 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 in this scenario and get like really good quality packages in there. Yeah. So we built inside Docker for a long time because when, when you're maintaining a project, a product over a span of say five to 10 years, you, you want to be able to update your host distribution, but yet not break your build. So Docker has been very useful for that. But now now we can run p-tests in that same Docker environment. That's that that's that's even better. Mm -hmm. And setting all this up is pretty tricky. You know, there's a lot of a lot of commands, like Kim said, uh, to set up ports and all all the resources it needs. So this is a is a valuable valuable resource to know how to set Docker up with a Yocto build. Yeah, I think um, you know we. I mean, it's a hours worth of efforts that people do to figure that option out, and then you know it's it's basically very useful for everyone to use it. Um, but when you're setting it up, you know you're basically figuring it out. Does it work with Docker? Does it work with Podman? Does it need sudo permission? You know, all that kind of things. You really have to spend quite a bit of time understanding the nature of it mm -hmm. before you really go and make it uh, available as a default template. Um, so like other things we do with your distro, you know, this is basically part of the template. And uh, it may be, it's the basically most commonly used, but you know, it might give you a good starting point and then you can tweak it from there. Sure, yeah. Well, that, that sounds great, Kim. Anything else you want to share today? Yeah, I think um, we recently got the Beagle Fireboard. So, you know, mm. uh, it is also a RIS-5, and uh, it has a little FPGA in it. You know, it's uh, quite interesting, you know, if um, so, um, given that if we, in future, that might be one, one of the platforms we, were, we might add to your distro as well, especially if you are a maker. You know, it might be a good... Um, for your distro to try that out. Okay. Well, we, we appreciate you listening. Uh, feedback is welcome. Please contact us at all the places we, we hang out. And until next time, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.